Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell, and the practically opaque Brian Appleby Weinberg. The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. If you teach the trumpet, play the trumpet, or just generally love the trumpet, then you have found a home with the World Trumpet Federation. When you need informative insights, profound pedagogy, or just positive perspective on the trumpet, just say to yourself, WTF, and go to worldtrumpetfederation.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Triplo Press. Celebrating their 30th anniversary as the premier resource for trumpet ensemble music of the highest quality, Triplo Press is the place to go for your trumpet ensemble needs. The trumpet world owes Jim Olcott a debt of gratitude for his exceptional writing, publishing, and providing music for trumpet ensembles of all sizes and ability levels. With over 200 publications and over 10,000 orders from 33 countries, Triplo Press currently represents 115 composers, 36 different arrangers, and 11 different editors. If you oversee a university or high school trumpet ensemble, Jim Olcott's got you covered. And rather than just picking a piece by its title, the Triplo website offers 163 recordings of their publications, many of which were made by Jim Olcott himself playing every part. No wonder that guy's always in shape. For all your trumpet ensemble needs, go to triplo.com. That's T-R-I-P-L-O dot com. Keep up the great work, J.O., and from all of us here at the World Trumpet Federation, thanks. And now, if you're a regular listener, you know that we've got three segments. Warming up, couple things, and no offense. We use these segments to cover information that Joey and Brian and I think is important. Gentlemen, shall we? This is a segment we call Warming Up, and it gives us a chance to ease into the show by talking about some things that are on our radar. Brian, what sort of conical anti-trumpet venom are you spewing today? Wow, venom, nice. (laughs) That's great. Yes, anything anti-trumpet. Is venom. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I was curious um, about soprano cornet players, and in particular, female soprano cornet players. I'm having deja vu for a second. Female soprano cornet players. Well, who who isn't? So, um, well, I was wondering, have you guys heard of any? You know of any? Um, I'm guessing no. Well, so, uh, let's let's back up a step. You asked us if we knew any soprano cornet players at all a couple of oh, weeks that's ago. Right. And we didn't know, right. any didn't know any at all. So to narrow that focus for us is not <laughs> yes. going to help us and know more of them. And if you assumed that in the meantime we've done research on the topic, you're mistaken. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You should do some research. Our six listeners should do some research. Anyway, so I was doing a little research. Um, there's a, the Black Dyke band came over here on a couple different tours, um, played at Rowan, um, on their way to, um, I think, the Virgin Islands, doing concerts there. Um, and they had, at that time, uh, a female cornet player named Michelle Ibbotson, who was a spectacular player. Um, and, of course, you'd have to be a spectacular player to play in the Black Dyke band, let alone sit on the soprano chair. Um, she did competitions with them, and they won all kinds of things. Um, great player. And uh, a few years after that, she left um, the Black Dyke Band because she was offered the soprano cornet position with the Corey Band, oh. number one band in the world. 
um, and which she she played for several years. She was actually commuting from Yorkshire. Um, it was like a four hour drive each way or something, twice a week plus the shows. I can do it in two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not on Yorkshire. that side of the road, you can. <laughs> yeah. Be a short trip with you driving. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, it's I so like I, that we're discussing British geography at this right. point. And about you driving your mini. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so it's always sort of wondering, you know, who else was playing on that level? It turns out they're just tons. Several of them, um, several women, um, female cornet players, uh, soprano cornet players, uh, went on and left brass banding because they were working so much as trumpet players, freelancing and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few have just stopped playing. Um, and, uh, and so I think I've discovered, I'm doing this column for... Um, the ITG, I write this this cornet in the brass band column. And um, I think I'm just going to do um, a big project on female soprano cornet players. I just don't think there's enough out about them, and uh, I don't think it would be a good topic. What do you think? Well, well I mean, I, sure, it's a great topic, uh, considering your, 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 your scope is British brass bands. So you got to go mining for some topics there. And, and, and as far as the International Trumpet Guild, I do think a majority of the membership is probably in the United States where there just isn't a lot of knowledge at all about the British band world and culture. There's some surface knowledge out there and the players involved. So, yeah, get us more information. I mean, more information is always better. Yeah, I think it's a great idea, too. Look, especially for students who go to the journal, right, and look for that information, Um you know, for some of the women trumpet players out there to know that that, you know, that that chair is available. There's some inspiration in there. Maybe they do some research then on the players that you're going to mention. Absolutely. And I can't believe we're both supporting a cornet idea. I just love yeah. well, it's a cornet column. I mean, he has to write about cornet, right? Yeah, but he doesn't have to talk about it here. Evidently, you know what I mean? Every, I was every like, episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's a model of consistency. You are unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Joey, what do you have for us today? All right, here's my question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is our segment that's called Warming Up. So I would like to ask you, do you warm down? If so, what do you do? If not, why not? Bill, what do you got? Uh, Brian looks like he's ready to just jump in there. <laughs> I'm going to let him go first. I do not warm down. I'm already shot by then. <laughs> yeah, his can't teeth... play any more notes. His teeth need a break by the time you get to that point. <laughs> Top and bottom teeth are loose. <laughs> He's putting in his poly grip as his one this, down. This <laughs> is one of my favorite things about being in rehearsal with Brian. It's not when, or it's not if, it's when he will turn to me and say, I'm on my teeth. <laughs> Usually about after the hymn tune. The right, yeah. Um, most, of the, most of the time it was a long way in, but there were a couple times it was about 10 minutes in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to be I, a long day. In this band, I used to play um, the third chair down in, in Atlantic Brass Band when I first joined. And one concert, the two guys sitting above me, literally after the first piece, they couldn't play any notes out of the staff. First piece <laughs> on the show. <laughs> thought, really? It's going to be that night? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for me, it, de- it depends. Um, there are times... If it's a really long session or really strenuous in some way, or it just doesn't feel right to me, I, I will do some lip bending. 
and some low notes, so, you know, some bending tones and low notes just to kind of get it to feel a certain way before I stop. So yeah, I'm probably guilty of the warm down. I'm not making, I'm not passing judgment. I'm honestly curious. Sure you I was are. Asking, you're always, uh, you're always passing judgment. I'm about to. So uh, I was recently <laughs> asked in a clinic, <laughs> you know, what do you warm down and what do you do? And, and for me, it, it's a conceptual thing as I'd like to operate in the abstract. So as we've discussed, I don't really consider warming up a thing I do. I'm practicing. So I'm, uh, that way I'm either playing or not playing. So it, it works for me the same on the other side. I'm either playing or not playing. So if I want to stop playing or recover, for lack of a better term, then more playing shouldn't really do that. So for me, it's the concept of I'm either playing or not playing. So warming down doesn't really do a thing for me. But there are people that swear by it because I think this, if you're one of those people that are using your performances essentially to keep you in shape, so you show up and you play in rehearsal and you play on concerts, but you're not really doing a lot of practicing, then you need to warm up then you might also need to warm down because you're not really practicing. You're only performing. And that could be a, a, a real problem. So that's something I try and avoid by I'm always just thinking that I'm playing. So then there's no difference. Right. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. Yeah, I'm just relieved that you don't want to add a segment to the show at the end. <laughs> well, well, give me an excuse to come up with some new tunes to, to right i mean because from the sounds of it you wouldn't even know what to play exactly There's because you don't warm do down it. it would just be it would just be silence space. just empty space five seconds of nothing right thank you and good night yeah like brian in rehearsal <laughs> just I'm there's done. just a gap there and he's, the and he's done all right bill what do you wow. got for us today all right you guys are gonna love this so um as you know, my, my prowess in regard to articulation is worldwide. Legendary. Legendary. So I want to talk about downshifting to double-tonguing. <laughs> this is the way I look at it. You look so, at it as, wait, hold, before you even start, yeah. you look at it as downshifting? I'm downshifting. At the first sign of trouble, I'm downshifting. And how I'm going to be honest with you. Downshifting to double up on how you're articulating. Bigger, easier gear. I don't think that's right. Yeah. So and anyway, this is the way I think about it. I, don't let, don't make me change that. I can't I can't afford to change anything else right now. <laughs> <clears throat> so the idea is that when I first learned to do multiple tonguing, after the first week of thinking that I was multiple tonguing, but actually I really wasn't in my, you know, I was just using the tip of my tongue instead of the you know the, the alternating syllables, I finally figured out that's it. And I thought, okay, this is great. So the K has to sound like the T, the G has to sound like the D, however you want to do it. So I just went all in. And started doing everything double tongue, no matter what tempo, just to build a coordination. And I think I did this for so long. In fact, I went as far as to, there were times I just used K-tongue on everything, trying not to get caught. Right? Sure. I just K-tongue an entire rehearsal in high school. And see, yeah. you know, ka, 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 whatever, right? Till it all lined up. I think I did this for so long, I destroyed my chance at ever having a good single tongue. So <laughs> now, excuse? this is my excuse. So now, metronome 108, I'm bailing. 16th notes of 108, I'm out. 108? Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. kidding? No, that's it. That's the number. 108, wow. and I'm downshifting. So my question is, you guys, and the beautiful thing here is I don't have a line. In other words, like I can double tongue slower than I can single tongue, and I can single tongue, well, not faster than I can double tongue, but I, <laughs> I just kind of. I can blur that. Overlap. I can blur that line really well. What about you guys? 
<laughs> well, I think it's important to have that overlap. And, and multiple tonguing is something that I did really poorly until I got to college. And we've talked uh, uh, you know, about uh, Wynton Marcellus made that cornet uh, album with the Eastman Wynton Ensemble when I was an undergrad. And so I'm watching this, and, and Wynton was around and was very uh, giving with his time. And I asked him, mm. okay, what did you do to get that double tonguing together? Because it's really, it's amazing. And he said, very similar to what you're saying right now, Bill, he says, mm. oh, you just got to K-tongue everything until it's the same yes. as, as your T-tongue. <laughs> And I said, Bill and oh, interesting. Yeah. So I was like, I was, so I'm going into the practice room, kind of going, ka, 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 and it sounds Dude. terrible. I can't oh, do yeah. it at all. But uh, that's how I essentially built it as well. That I, I took that advice and ran with it. But the idea of having the overlap, you need to be able to, you know, some people think, well, I can double tongue, and I start here. But I can only single tongue up to da, 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 da. There's a large hole in between there, <laughs> yeah. and that's where conductors go right to it. They right all know to where it. that Every is. Single time. You can bank on it. Yeah. That's no the offense tempo. to you both, but the conductors are right in there. Oh, nice. Hey, so, no, don't put me in that boat. Do you mm -hmm. own a baton, yes or no? Yes. Okay. And he he might have down. a he might have a case for his. He's got a baton gig bag. You know he does. He does. Yeah. But I don't. So, so I one of my favorite things I remember this sitting in the section. I think yeah, it was in North Texas, and it got to this really fast passage, and somebody leaned over and said, "Hey, uh, are you you know you are you guys double tonguing that?" And of course, one of the hot shots said, "I'm still single tonguing," and I was like, "I k tongue the whole thing." <laughs> <laughs> Get that one more card to play. But I, that's what I did. I practiced scales all on K-Tongue. Mm -hmm. Practiced melodies on K-Tongue to try to develop that. But yeah, it's, it's really about the overlap. I think yeah, you got you it. Yeah, you got to have a large overlap. How can you get into a situation as a, as a serious trumpet player where you allow yourself to develop the gap between your single tongue and double tongue? Like, how would you allow that to happen? Carelessness? Are you saying that you don't know professionals that have giant holes in their playing? You have a hole in their swing? Come on, man. Maybe. Not maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes. No. That seems so basic, though. Of course. But uh, everything at some level is, is a I fundamental guess. and basic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just yeah. heard about it so long, you know, from the beginning of when I started double-tonguing. I got into a, two very good schools without really being able to double or triple-tongue. Because on well, my audition, I didn't do it. No, but you so also... Didn't know. You had the neuralizer in your back pocket. That's right. I had, I had other good strengths so I could fool people and they would go. I remember one of, first, one of my first lessons, my, right might have been my first lesson with Barbara, where she said, what do you think your weaknesses are? And I said, well, low register and multiple tonguing, definitely. She said, well, let's take a look there. And we started playing. She's like, oh, my, you're really very right on that, both of those. <laughs> <You know? laughs> kind of a little surprise. Like, I thought he was good. Uh, yeah. I, I can't play a low G. Exactly. But I can play double C right now all afternoon. <laughs> and I can't double tongue at all. Don't ask me to double tongue <laughs> it. Whenever you want it. Right. So you double tongue up there now? <clears throat> sure. But I couldn't double tongue at the staff then. I couldn't double tongue anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Meanwhile, could go like, dum I could do that. But if I had to play like a line, no shot. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> around the same time, I'm going, ka 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 Well, that's when I started doing that. Yeah, on all all two of the Clark studies in that year. <laughs> on both of the, on both both of the Clark studies. <laughs> I will kill you. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully someone else out there, you know, anyone listening, knowing that, yeah, you got to develop the overlap, right? Yeah. In my case, I can, you know, I can double tongue a quarter note equals five. <laughs> but <laughs> and not get, overlap and not get caught. <laughs> 
<laughs> but you hear me downshift pretty early going the other way. I'm still not considering that a downshift. We're going to bring that. We're going to go back to that. We're going to come back to that. Term, yeah, all right. I love yeah, that. Yeah. Well, listen, at this point in the show, we have typically done two things. The always exciting backboard bingo, it's not right, which has got quite a following. And it's the best bingo game out there. No or the open bell. Look, I've got two minutes. These are my two minutes. <laughs> 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 I didn't agree to this. You stay out of this, Chris. Or the open bell mailbag, right? Which also, I think we've gotten great, great reviews we on that. Love hearing Thanks from the listeners. Cares. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But look, even though both have been incredibly popular, uh, it, you know, we—it's time to try something different. And, and now, as promised, it's time for something completely different. This, my friends, is the premiere segment of Joey's Jeopardy. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Yes. Now, this now, is the named game. after me. Does that mean I get, I get, I have some sort of advantage in this? Well, I, I think in most of it's these Jeopardy, sort of. You definitely have an advantage. You have an advantage. <laughs> Brian's had, working. Brian's working in his second language. I had no advantage uh, in bingo. I kept getting hammered. <laughs> That's because you don't know how to play bingo. It's not so, bingo. Look, this game test the overall knowledge of trumpet related information okay so just like real jeopardy we have categories and each item is given a certain value ranging from 100 to 500 points all of which is negotiable based on how i feel i will provide the clue <laughs> Jesus and the two of you we are in big trouble two of you I will have to me. answer and again in the form of a question if we've seen jeopardy right brian it's on in the uk isn't it <laughs> they call it what is jeopardy there <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today's categories are, are you ready? We're ready. Stratospheric. All about famous lead players. Category number two, biblical proportions. This is general <laughs> knowledge about the Arben book. <laughs> I thought we were going to be talking about the Archangel Gabriel. No, but you never know. Category number oh, three, man. cone of silence. You guessed it, all things cornet. All right. Oh, no. I can Look, I'm trying to even it out. Maybe. Gotta stay away from that category. Category four, sailing the seven seas. You guessed it. It's all about the famous Bach curse. I mean, the Bach mouthpiece, the seven C. <laughs> all things about oh, questions about seven diameter mouthpieces. <laughs> <clears throat> and finally, now this last one's going to be difficult. But I'm super excited about it. Last category, duets. <laughs> duets is combining the names of famous trumpet players and others. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, wow. Joey, Joey, since you won the last round of Backboard Bingo, you yes. get to start today. So right. I'd like you to pick a category. Now, listen, I know sometimes in Jeopardy, you can jump around the board, but we're going to go in order today. All right, so I will start with the uh, stratospheric for 100, please. There it is, stratospheric for 100. He is known for his high chops from California. <laughs> I'm not even done yet. Yeah. Brian, are you Jeopardy. testing your buzzer? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I will listen, listen. You can't buzz in before the question is over. Yeah, you have to wait. Now, Come on. I'm on a hair trigger. For I, our had Joey's, I had Joey's doctored, so it's a little slow. Mine's on <laughs> for, a hair trigger, though. For our listeners, this is Brian's buzz in. Go ahead, Brian. 
and this is Joey's. <laughs> we'll make sure you can tell those apart. All right, stratospheric for 100. He is known for his high chops from California to purchase New York. That's it? That's it. Joey? Who is John Fattis? That is correct. Oh, Who is yeah. John Fattis? John is he's born in the Bay Area. He's from Oakland, but he teaches at uh, SUNY Purchase. That's right. Wow. There it is. All right, Brian, I've never, I've never seen you look so stunned. <laughs> All right, Joey. I, was, I thought there was more after the question. So <clears throat> no. uh, let's stay with Stratospheric for 200. Stratospheric for 200. He played high notes over the Kenton band, and his name was not Maynard. Oh, Joey? Who is Walter Ferguson? Oh, I'm sorry. Brian? Buddy Childress. Buddy Childers. I'm sorry. He did not <laughs> answer in the form of the question. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Neither one of you are right. I see what you're doing there, Joey, but I was after Buddy Childers. Would have been the right answer. All right, uh, Joey, still with you. Let's, uh, how many, do we have all the way to 500? That's five here? categories, uh, yeah, uh, let's 500. Let's go straight yeah. down. Let's go uh, stratospheric, stratospheric for 300. This Tonight Show jazzer had serious high chops, but no fancy wardrobe. Joey. Who is Snooky Young? Who is Snooky Young? That is correct. There it is. Well done. Congratulations. Joey, back to you. Let's keep going. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's go stratospheric for 400. Stratospheric for 400. 1950s lead player could be heard on Sinatra recordings. Wow, Joey. Was quick, too. Who is Conrad Gazzo? Who is Conrad Gazzo? Well played. Well played. Uh, let's finish the category, please. Let's go Stratospheric for 500. Oh, my God. Great. Harry Connick's high note man in the 1990s. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who is Roger Ingram? Oh, I'm oh. sorry. That's not correct, Brian. Yes, it is. Dan Miller. Who Dan, is Dan Miller. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That's not correct. It's Roger. It's on Dan's website. Dan was on the band with Roger. Roger was the lead player. They were there. They were on the band together. <laughs> Dan Miller didn't play any high notes in the Conic Band. He did not play the highest notes in the band. <laughs> If you listen to like red light, blue light, you listen to all yeah, those things, like all great, those great those record. Are, those, authority, are Ro those are Roger. We need an authority on uh, lead playing to to break this. Yes, yeah, let's no, let's see if we know anybody. Too bad we don't know anyone. <laughs> if you would like, we could call Roger. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be happy to tell you. <laughs> I met Roger in the '90s. Right. Oh my God. Dan's before a, you... Dan, no, Dan's a great player. Absolutely. Let's, yeah, I don't I want think to say both... anything bad about Dan. No, both those guys are amazing. They could probably both double tongue. Um, yes, definitely. <laughs> all right. That cleans out stratospheric. No kidding. But, Joey, it's still to you. Let's head over to biblical proportions. <laughs> biblical <for> proportions <laughs> yeah. for 100. Yeah. This page in the Arben book, <laughs> the page in the Arben book one would seek to start to cooing. Oh, what Brian. Is page 175? What is page 175 is correct. Now, I, I, I have a question. You're only talking about the old version, not the Tom and Jen version. Right. right? I didn't say Tom and Jen. But you said Arben's. That's an Arben's and book. That's right. It is an Arben's book. He happens to be right. The actual one. The actual Arben's book. The real Arben book. All right, Brian. 
back to you. What, what is it? It's biblical. Biblical proportions. Biblical the proportions name of the for, two, for 200. I didn't oh write them gosh. down as he was going through. Joey always writes stuff down. Yes. Like the whole notes. I want to know what we're doing. All right. Biblical proportions for 200. This study in character is in F. Brian. It doesn't sound like you're finished with the question. <laughs> I'm not finished with the question. Then he can't buzz in. Why We've not? already established My that. My buzzer still works. Well, you're just getting, trying to get he a jump on it. He just doesn't finish. He's so excited that this isn't about lead players that he's, <laughs> yes. he can't even help himself. All right, Character? here's the question. This no, he has to answer now. If not you're going to let him buzz in now, he has to answer now. All right. This is not a hair trigger. I want a new buzzer. This is the one I bought. Do you <laughs> What's your answer there, uh, uh, okay. Doctor Appleby? Form, form of a question: What is characteristic study? Is there a timer here? Is there more than timer? Is there a timer? Wow! Man, he's <laughs> correct. Number six. I knew this. It. This oh, study on, in character is an F, and its opening is arpeggiated. Character six study number six. I'm now angry as he, he wow. buzzed in too early and still got wow. credit. I'm now <laughs> lodging an official protest. Wow. All right, Brian, back to you. Um, biblical proportions for 300. 300. Prior to Tom and Jen, this is the page where flexibility begins. <sighs> What is page Joey? 42? Oh, sorry. I thought the same thing when I looked this up. <laughs> it's Brian. Is it 22? What is page 22? No, page 39. Oh. He's going for <laughs> his, his Arvin book. book. My book's right here. Oh, what am I thinking? Page, it page is 39 says studies on legato playing. No. What color? Studies That's on slurring the and legato playing. Well, studies on slurring. Studies on slurring. Studies on the slur. Yeah. Page 39. That's where the section starts. You said I flexibility. Get yeah. Interchangeable. No. <laughs> that is slurring. No. That is slurring. I'm lodging my second official protest. Okay. Too bad. Done. Brian, still to you. I stand by page 42. <laughs> Mr. Darling wrote flexibility on, at the start of page 42 in my book. I am, well. with, I am with Mr. Darling on this. <laughs> if only we could talk to some experts on the subject. <laughs> the the Listen, room. I thought it was 42, and then I opened it up, and I saw that it header, and I was like, okay, it's 39. It's not. All right. We'll award the points to Joey for oh, saying oh, 42. Oh, no. Oh, no. no we're never going to hear the end of it. Never going to hear the end of it. All right. Joey? Your call. Well, let's stay with biblical proportions. Where are we at? Are we 400. 400. We're at 400. If I lived on page 339 <laughs> under the blue cover, who would I be? <gasps> Brian? Who would you be? Well, second. that is a question. That is a question. <laughs> <laughs> what would... Now, what, what is... What, sorry, what is the Carnival of Venice? Yes. Boom. You are correct. <laughs> wow. Who doesn't, who doesn't know that page number? <clears throat> I guess me. I don't know. Well, suddenly it's really it's looking... It's solo. Come on. It's really looking close. All right, Brian, to you. Uh, biblical proportions for 500. There it is. For the end of the category. Right. 
Last duet before the character assault begins. I think that's a really well-worded question. Wow. The last duet before the character assault begins. I don't know. The and Brian. What is the Fox Hunters? Oh, my God. He's right. Oh, oh my yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's astounding. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be angry, but that was amazing. That is fantastic. <laughs> oh, my God. That's like knowing Joey's father's birthday or something. <laughs> wow. That was a wag. Wow. Okay, fantastic. We're really close <laughs> now. Right. Except for Joey stealing that one on page 42. That's cool. Lined up. All right, Brian, you get to you get to pick. Um, let's do Cone of Silence for 100. Shocking. Yeah, this is a, I'm going in here. You're going okay. down. Going down, Mark. This this top British cornetist's name could not be more appropriate. Unbelievable. I have an ad on my buzzer. Over the <laughs> You could make the sound. You didn't wait. You came into this without paying for the buzzer. Without paying for the buzzer. <laughs> That's got to be some sort of penalty, right? That's got to be a penalty. Uh, well, Brian, you could make the sound of a buzzer. Yeah. Did that ever dawn on you? If I knew the answer, I don't want to get docked hundred. This is times. the one hundred. I, 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 yeah. I, mean, I don't know it, but I'm not a cornet expert yes. that writes for ITG Journal on such matters. Could, could you repeat the question, please? No. I I, I could, but I'm not going to. Get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> This top British cornetist's name could not be more appropriate. Got me. Wow. Joey? I would nothing? have to know top British cornet players, which I don't. Well, there would be that. James Shepard. Oh. Get it? Yeah, that's The good. shepherd's crook. Yeah, he's a crook. That's right. Ooh. Now, does it go to Joey then? Or, uh, yeah, no, stays you with Nobody goes. Oh, stays with Brian. Uh, All right. Oh, that's right. Nobody answered. for 200. <clears throat> It's the prize given to the musical musical director whose group wins the Open. Brian. What is the Harry Mortimer Award? You would be correct. Is there a bald Mortimer Award? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're on it. (laughs) He's in. He's in. (laughs) Brian. Cone of silence for 300. Didn't see that coming. (laughs) It is a contest, but also a show. Brian, what is brass in concert? Brass in concert, yes. I don't, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> it's a show, but it's also a concert. It's a show, but it's also a concert. I've played in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, Brian. Wow. <laughs> uh, cone of silence for four hundred. Come on, Joey. The I'm organization. I'm, I'm in. I'm ready. The organization that carried the brass band torch even during the U.S. decline of banding. Brian. What is the Salvation Army? Yes, the Salvation <laughs> Army is correct. Come on. Holy crap. <laughs> wow. He's smoking you on this, He's dude. He's killing me on this. Yeah, you're from here. <laughs> Brian. You're from here. Uh, cone of Silence for 500. Here it is. Parts of his instrument have been strewn about England. Oh, oh, oh. Strewn. I like strewn. It's a good word. Uh-huh. Who was Dennis Wick? That is correct. <laughs> Bryce Ferguson has taken an old Dennis Wick's trombone slide and cut pieces off of it and welded it, soldered it to many different instruments all over now, the countryside. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. That's a trombone you're talking about. Sure. That's yeah. not a cornet. 
Yeah, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> How is that part of a cornet question? It's Jeopardy. It's, it's general knowledge. It's the cone of silence. Wow. All right, Brian, it's oh, to you. Killing it. Unbelievable, actually. This, it's the, the category is the seven seas. Right? Sail the seven seas. Sail the seven seas for 200. For 100. For, one, you have for to go 100. In order. Order. Oh, okay. Mouthpiece used by our very own Scott Belk to aid in his lower... Joey. The seven ew. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Brian. The seven... What is... He's learning. The seven C. No, I'm sorry. It's not the mouthpiece used by our very own Scott Belk to aid in his lower register. Uh, the seven C sharp <laughs> is the right answer. You guys should let me finish the questions. We should. All right, Brian, still to you. For... Uh, sail the seven C's for 200. Great. Longtime favorite of Trombamundi jazz player Scott Belk. What Joey, is the seven E W? What is the seven <sighs> U? <laughs> Locked and loaded. Just Outstanding. Early. He was right. Just early. He's uh, so happy to be out of Cornet Land. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Right, let's let's Joey. sail the seven C's for three hundred, please. Right. Popular as an option for piccolo trumpet, should be buried in a shallow grave. Joey, what is the seven C W? Mm, no, Brian. What is the seven E? Yes, the oh. seven E. I like those W, the W wow. rims. People yeah, like those are piccolo. They're too cushy. They're too wide. Oh, I like it. I play a three okay. CW. Wow. Piccolo all the time. <laughs> I watch the CW. No, wait, no, that's something <laughs> different. Brian? Uh, sail the seven C's for. But now, how is it a seven C question if it's a seven E is the answer? It's Jeopardy. That's not a 7C question. You it's Jeopardy. said it's, it's not about bingo. the 7C. It's about 7C. You set the rules. All these mouthpieces are built around based off or compared to a 7C. You could say that about any mouthpiece, and that's not what you said at the beginning. I could, look, it's not bingo. It's Jeopardy. Try to get the game straight that we're I'm playing this week. I'm trying to follow the rules that you set for <laughs> that you are not up. following them. You there said it is. these are about the 7C. <laughs> Brian just said, man, would you just shut up? <laughs> I get this clown to stop talking. Oh, All right. Wow. Okay, Brian. And we're in. Sail, sail the seven seas for <laughs> 400. 400. Yeah. yeah for 400. Outlawed in Texas, this mouthpiece is still the go to for beginners in the United States. Brian. What is the seven C? What is the seven C? That is correct. Is your buzzer not working now? No, that's a seven C <clears throat> question. Now I understand. <laughs> Sail the seven seas for 500. <laughs> More valuable when melted down and recycled. What is the Joey, box seven C? What is the box seven C? That is correct. <laughs> the category is seven seas, where all the answers are the seven C. It, they weren't. They one weren't. was a seven E. One was a seven E, and one was a seven E W. And then Scott's patented seven C sharp. The seven C sharp. That, people should really order that. They That's should know piece. that. That's a yeah. good. You That's can awesome. get it. Picket brass. Yeah. Call Picket brass that. At, or order what? that. Ask for the seven C sharp Velk model. <laughs> Say that Scott sent you. Scott. <laughs> okay. And our final category is the only Let's one left. Go to duets. duets. For oh, I'm so excited. I can't even. Can't even wait. All right, Joey. High notes and the news. 
High notes. High notes and, and the, the news. news. You're putting two names together, a trumpet I'm, player and, and others. others. Now, I understand the concept. <clears throat> Our audience of six people are screaming into their speakers. They, they all know the answer. They're all on it. Once yeah, you get we... the first one, you, you'll run the board. High notes and the news. I got nothing. Wow. Uh, Brian, nothing? I got nothing. You're going to love this. Cat Anderson Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's wow. Wow. That's spectacular. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So it's not so much as a combining as a before and after. Uh, I mean, those two are kind of combined. Right, you remember Anderson, Anderson, Anderson Cooper, and it's a Anderson and after. Cooper, right? It's okay, a and after. Sure. Who wrote these. Sure, yeah. right. But I, that's not a combination. That's a before and after. Okay, sure, it's a before and after. They're duets. <laughs> this is Jeopardy. This is the way it works. Okay, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Let's go to two hundred. All right, late night in the Chicago Symphony. You're going to love this. Mm. Now, you got to be a certain age to get this one, I think, but I think we all call. Oh, Brian? What is Doc Martin? Oh, no. I don't even. I didn't even understand. That's a shoe, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's a shoe. He was going something there you for said Chris late Martin. Late night. Late night. In the Chicago think about what, Symphony. What late night? If I say late night, yeah. you're thinking about something yeah. there. But late night in the Chicago Symphony. No, I got nothing. Brian? Nothing. Nothing. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. I'm going to get all the points for this column, by the way. You're doing great. Late Night in the Chicago Symphony is Larry Bud Herseth. Wow. That's a real stretch. You're welcome. (laughs) That's a real stretch. Combining, of course, Larry Larry Bud Melman Melman from the old David Letterman show and Bud Herseth. Good Lord. The next one's going to, you know, you got no shot. No shot. You're both on your teeth right now. No, we're done. All right, duets for 300. Warmed up shot. Four amazing studies on a presidency. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) And a presidency. Can't keep it straight. I can't even keep it. Come on, Alex, keep it together. Oh. Yeah, listen, Trebek. Listen here, Trebek. <laughs> Four amazing studies and a presidency. <clears throat> Can I go Joey? Herbert L. Hoover? Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this to you because I wrote Herbert L. Clark Hoover. But yes, and here's the interesting thing: Herbert Hoover's middle name, Clark. Oh, I did not know that. Now, now you and all of our listeners do. Yeah. Well done. Our yeah. listeners need to know that that means that Clark has more than one book. <laughs> right? Four books. Actually, it was for all he four of the Clark studies. studies. All four of the Clark studies. He just studies. said studies. He didn't right. say books. You know, Pay that's attention. a running it's a running gag on the show, Brian. Get it. Yeah. Pay okay. attention. Right. Okay. This last, I'm I'm last one right. First time yeah, I'm, no no no. There's two, there's two left. Four hundred oh right. God. Duets for four hundred. All right, we're going in. Mel Gibson slurs again. Mel Gibson slurs again. You know Scott's Scott's at home and he's got at all these. Scott's screaming. If he listened to the podcast, he would be screaming he would be, he would at be the screaming. computer right now. He knows these. 
Mel Gibson slurs I'm so again. Disappointed in us. I'm disappointed in us now too. <laughs> I am too. Well, I mean, I could have given you some warning or some practice questions, but that would have been cheating. No, this this is so much better. <laughs> All right, what do you got for Mel Gibson? Oh my gosh. Mel Gibson slurs again. Mad Max Schlossberg. <laughs> okay. All right. Now I'm mad at myself. Yeah, because you you should have gotten that one. Oh, now I'm, I'm upset now. Come on, oh. over the plate. You're letting yeah. it get. It's a, you're in your head. I'm, That's yeah, the problem. I gotta now, up. Brian, up. I'm really sorry about this. This is so over the plate for Joey that he, he's gonna kill it with this. He needs the points, I think. He he might need the points. When we do the so. math on this thing. Yeah. Duets for five hundred. True Grit. And back row politics. He's got it. He's got it. Who is John Wayne Bergeron? Yes. (laughs) Come on, that's killing, right? So I got a couple questions at this point. Um, Okay. There was no daily double. Uh, No, no this is the first round of Jeopardy. You're gonna have to wait for the next episode to get the daily double and final Jeopardy. Daily double in the first round. Nope. Not yeah, there today. two. Yeah, there are. Yeah. No, it it yeah. I'll tell you what it was. It was uh, Cat Anderson Cooper. There you go. You there was the Daily, Daily Double. Daily Double. We did not hear. <laughs> now I'm just Cat Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Cat Anderson Cooper is really good. Well, it's I was Mad so proud Max, of that. Mad oh Max Schlossberg. Mad Max Schlossberg. That's great. And John Wayne Bergeron. Come on, I thought that was really over the plate. That was really good. Yeah, I had that <laughs> one locked in. Very impressive. Wow. Yeah. So now we're gonna have to total the points here. That's the math not enough is to just, save him. We're gonna just send that off to for you know. We'll have to send it to, to Karen, yeah. and we'll report back on yeah. uh, who wins. Karen does all the math yeah. here at WTF, so she can uh, take care of that. All right, so what do you think? Come on. We, we, I could see us doing this again. Yeah. It's very impressive. Absolutely. Well done. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Totally. We'll, we'll be back. Up. Oh, my God. All right, boys. It's now time for a couple things. In recent years, trumpet ensembles have really taken off, due in part to the popularity of the National Trumpet Competition, but also due to the sheer educational value of this studio ensemble and the training of trumpet players. As our listeners probably know by now, we make up half of the world's foremost contemporary trumpet ensemble, (laughs) Trombolunia. So it's only fitting that we cover this topic on the open bell. Boys, let's talk about trumpet ensemble. Let's do. Now, before we get started, I think we need to say the rise in popularity directly corresponds to <laughs> the, the rise of Trump Mundi as well. Don't we I take would. credit for this as well? Well, yeah. I think we do, but I think that also deserves some clarification because Trombomundi really existed in the shadows from 2007 until 2011, <laughs> um, <laughs> at which point I think that's really when it blossomed was 2011. Wow. I wonder what, in <laughs> yeah, what, what, what changed then? What was it? Yeah. <clears throat> Let's think well, about that. Look, Aerosmith was no one, right, until Steven Tyler was the front man. I'm just saying. This is... This is it. Every group needs some curb appeal. But but Van the Halen, I, I can say, got worse with Sammy Hagar. That's true, but I'm no Sammy Hagar. Well, we can agree on that. <laughs> I'm the David Lee Roth of trumpet ensembles. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I think we just lost everybody under They're, the d- They've turned this done. That's it. <laughs> it's over. Turned off their- it's over. <laughs> Take but these uh, hair bands for four hundred exactly. at this point. Well, and you know, like we we're talking about our sponsor today, Jim Olcott with Triple O Press. Jim yeah. Jim's been doing this now thirty years. Okay, that was before trumpet ensemble was cool, 
right? right? I mean, if you really look at the time frame on what he did, I mean, that is totally cutting edge. And of course, he's still in the business and contributing a great deal. So um, it, this he thing has, has tons of stuff, by yeah, the way. It, you it, go over to it's amazing. Press, it's amazing how much stuff he's got to offer. And, and graded, the, so there's something for everybody. Yeah, he's yeah. got it not only by grade, but by size of ensembles. You yeah. Anything you're looking for, it's really Fantastic. great. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so th this thing has, look at the demand there, right? And now with NTC, with the competition, it's really an, uh, an amazing thing. Um, any, any program with uh, you know, that has a vision for training students the right way, because look, look at all the benefits there are from playing in the ensemble. We can also list a lot of detrimental things from being in a trumpet ensemble. No one knows that better than the three of us. But you know, think about students learning to work within a section and the communication and all of the, the musical technical, you know, nuts and bolts you can get to in that setting. It's really incredible. It is really amazing. I mean, selfishly, the great part for, for me is the idea of, of built-in chamber music in a way that we don't often get to do this. You know, uh, you know, string string players have string quartets where they're playing with like instruments. Where we have brass quartets that are sort of it's a similar sort of parallel. But the idea of an ensemble of just trumpet players, I love this idea. Uh, one, it gets us really thinking, uh, playing blending, tuning, sound, uh, musicality all together while playing trumpet and is always a great way to switch around parts. So you, at one point you're playing first, at one point you're playing sixth, at one point you're playing fourth. You can fulfill all those different roles and really get good at doing all of those things as well as uh, learning how to play with the others in a small setting. I don't think there's anything quite like it. Well, and you mentioned instrumentation, and funny, you're the one that mentioned that because look what we've done even in Trombomundi here in recent years with the writing, right? Like now bass trumpet, is a, that's a thing. Like it's it's there all the time, right? And the you, yeah. <laughs> I'm the last CD. How many bars did you play on B flat trumpet? I think I played 16 measures that, that, I, you wrote. that I wrote. That you wrote. <laughs> everything else is on bass. Yeah, everything else on bass, and then the addition of flugelhorns, and we're using E flats and picks, and you know it's Cornet. a great opportunity to do that. Well, what? Two cornets. I'm two sorry, cornets. I can't. Brian, you faded out there. I didn't. Bill, <laughs> right. I, I believe you're playing cornet. You play. Cornet. I do play cornet. Yes. You on guys have a, a lovely, lovely <laughs> cornet duet on the upcoming, the upcoming recording. It's really, you yeah. guys, I'm not kidding. You yeah, Brian, you, terrific. Brian, and your arrangement of that is fantastic. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Appleby wow. Weinberg and others. And wow. others. Like the mouthpiece. Yes, <laughs> just like. Man. But, but uh, yeah, the instrumentation thing is great. And then the writing opportunities. Like when I first joined Trauma Mundi in 2011, I hadn't really done any of that. And but boy, it's just being part of it is just an inspiration to write, write a bunch of stuff, originals and arrangements and everything. It's a great opportunity. So the, the group is, for me, absolutely the most fun I've ever had playing the trumpet. It absolutely and was from the from the beginning. That's really uh, sad. A couple of <laughs> a couple of down times, but it's uh, seriously the, the most fun. Um, and so in that regard, I think trumpet ensemble can be great. Um, let me tell a little story about uh, someone. Um, who came to audition for a, a job where I teach here at Rowan, um, and a, a person auditioning for a turtlenecking job. Mm. And, um, <laughs> wow. I, I, got to, I got to meet them, and they, at their school, um, trumpet ensemble was huge, and they didn't call it trumpet ensemble. They called it trumpet band. Um, <laughs> and, and trumpet band. It took all of the it took the chops of the studio so that the players couldn't per, couldn't perform in rehearsals in for the ensembles their chops were cashed out 
They did so many hours of rehearsal for really? trumpet band. Well, that's not good. Yeah. So, yes, it's great and a great opportunity for an audience. I think if you throw five or six B flat trumpets at them for an hour, that might be, you know, not okay. Um, it's quite a quite an intense experience for an audience, I think. And so, um, different instruments, uh, using mutes, anything to change the color of something that's mm. that that's that long. Um, and I think that you have to be really careful about how you um, how you program for it and how you have students rehearse for it um, in their week while they're while they're in school. Um, I do think that you know if you were to introduce a trumpet ensemble at a high in a high school, that could really do wonders for all of the ensembles and the marching band and the jazz band. I mean, it mm -hmm. could really be transformative for a lot of players um, in a way that something like maybe brass ensemble um, or brass quintet can't be. Um, it can be somewhat limiting, and if for a trumpet ensemble, you can include everybody, um, you can double parts, and uh, you can expand it. Um, and so I think there is some real value. Um, at Rowan, we use trumpet ensemble really um, just for ceremonial um, stuff. We do a we do a brass band as a as a as our, as our brass ensemble. It's just a brass band, um, and we don't do trumpet ensemble on top of that except at commencement. Um, so we do a big big broad at commencement, um, which is kind of fun for everybody. And um, we also have a couple meals together and students have a great time mm -hmm. during commencement week. Um, that's all That's all we use it for. Although there has been a push and we have been at NTC um, as uh, semifinalists before. Um, and it's, I think it's transformative for the players. I think anytime you're competing, it's pushing you to um, different levels of excellence that maybe the pressure of just a concert doesn't provide. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say that about, you know, what's, what's gone on in my studio over the years, the NTC thing has really become the goal of the group and that's pushed me as a writer and pushed them as performers, um, you know, to the extent where they, they won't go and do it unless they're memorized. Now that's been sort of the standard for the past few years. So uh, yeah, it really does raise the level of play and encourages a lot of creativity. But I also noticed too, that, when those those students who another opportunity to work together and play together when they go to sit in the wind ensemble or sit in the orchestra or whatever it it shows up i mean they are cohesive they're used to working together and it's a great thing and of course yeah the social aspect of it is great not so much with our group it socially is a complete disaster but you know for student dysfunctional groups, i think yeah. and, and i'll throw into the idea of the high school trumpet ensemble thing you mentioned that brian i'm glad you did um, because Jim has a lot of rep that would really work for that at Triplo, but NTC, of course, now sponsoring a high school division for trumpet ensemble. Yeah. And, right, and they and don't have to be from the same school. They just have to be all as a collective. Right? That's, that's right. So a private teacher could, yeah, and a, uh, a private teacher could put together all of his best students into a group. Right. right? Cause, yeah. It can be, cause it's going to be an extracurricular. You're going to have to find the kids that want to buy in that way. Uh, but back to one of the things Brian was talking about when you're talking about the different sounds you can make, and I think this is a really important thing for, for college students, or even high school students, but college students I think are doing this more, and college teachers are looking to do this. This is a great way to get your students comfortable with different instruments. You know, there are times, mm. if you think about what we did with Birds of Paradise uh, that we had, was written for us. We commissioned this piece and we recorded it, and it's already turning into a kind of a regular at NTC, is that there's piccolo trumpets, C trumpets, 
B flat trumpets uh, and flugelhorns. Two flugels, right? right. All the way, you know. So you've got all those different instruments. So if you've got students that have only played B flat trumpet and like, oh, let's find some trumpet ensemble music that stretches you on those instruments as well. It's a great way to learn how to do that blend, play those instruments, so that when they go into the orchestra, and now. Oh, I'm comfortable on C trumpet. I've been doing that in trumpet ensemble. I'm comfortable in flugelhorn. I've been doing that in trumpet ensemble. It's a great way to introduce the other instruments. And yes, it should absolutely be a big change of sound. So your trumpet ensemble doesn't always sound exactly the same coming off the stage. Because you're right, if it's all the exact same instrumentation all of the time, that can be a lot of one thing. But I think we show, like in our group, we show a wide variety. I remember our third recording. Um, now I can't remember what that was called. Um, but I, I, I played six different instruments on that. I mean, I was playing uh, piccolo trumpet, E-flat, B-flat, C, bass, and alto trumpet, if you remember yeah, that one piece. That's right, yeah. You know, so you, we have a lot of different sounds coming off of that stage. And, you know, we had to bring, I remember I had to bring a cup mute for piccolo trumpet. You know, right. John was right. playing that, and he goes, who has a piccolo cup? And I said, I have a yeah. piccolo Joey cup. Okay, <laughs> bring that along here. But showing all of those different sounds, these is a, a, a trumpet ensembles are a great way to learn how to do that play with a good sound, blend, match, so that when you're going into those other ensembles, exactly what you're talking about, if you, uh, when you, what I want to tell my trumpet players, what I've been telling kids since I started teaching, hey, if you do what I tell you, when you go into band, into orchestra and jazz band, they're going to think you're really, really good. But when you come in here, we know the truth. Like, I want to have that kind <laughs> of, you know, right. keep those egos in check. But if you build a trumpet ensemble that is then really strong in that way, those students, when they're going into the, the school ensembles, those are directors never have to say anything to the trumpet sections at all. And then those kids are feeling good and feeling confident about their level of play in the ensembles. Yeah. It just helps everything. It helps spiral everybody into you know, more and more growth. So a couple things about what you just said about the recording uh, session was that was Quest for Adventure. Quest, Correct. Yeah. Thank, that's exactly right. right. I, I, funny because I don't remember John playing piccolo on that, <laughs> on that session. <laughs> Huh. Well, interesting. I thought it, I thought interesting. it was absolutely unforgettable. It was unforgettable was, that's session. That's exactly. Yeah. And I do recall you playing all those various instruments and how well you did it, which is why now we only let you play bass. <laughs> it's it's the trauma mundi way. Right? Hey, Joey, Joey's, Joey's got great double Cs. Let's put him on bass. Great idea. Yeah. And then the rest of us don't have to feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> well, you this know. one we have coming out now. We've got some really fun stuff. I mean, we've got some mm -hmm. stuff more leaning into the commercial styles. The the Harry right. James medley that you had commissioned. Right, from Roy is, Mitchell, yeah. from Roy. Right. It's is, cool. I think people are going to love that. It's and great then stuff. Hopefully we can get this stuff out to where there are students, because I've done some things. I did some things at the beginning of all of this shutdown where I, have a, I did some big band reductions. So I wrote three big band charts for six trumpets. So, uh, but it's essentially a big band. I've done Shiny Stockings from uh, the Count Basie band. I did Basically Blues from the Buddy Rich band. And I did uh, uh, Country Road from Maynard's book as just six trumpet things about, this is kind of a cool thing to do, uh, that I think trumpet ensembles may want to tackle. Because this is the interesting part right now. NT we're watching in NTC. We're watching it broaden. We're watching it's not just all of the same stuff that we've done all of these years. Well, what about can we, and people are writing for it and doing a, just a wide variety, going into jazz and commercial styles and other things that I think is only good for mm -hmm. both the students and for the, the ensembles themselves. Well, it isn't, you know, repertoire sometimes is a thing that scares people away. So let's say you are the high school band director or you're at a, you know, beginning a college trumpet studio and you're just not sure what to play. 
again, you know, back to, to Triplo Press for sure. But look, we, we're all doing writing here, right? If you really need something that's manageable, reach out to us. I'm happy to share some of the things that I've done and, and that are accessible too. So, you know, sure. you can uh, reach out to us on the World Trumpet Federation website if you like. Um, and, uh, and we're happy to help either guide you with some rep choices or share, share a chart or two that we've written um, in order to do that. Um, and, and the rep thing is cool. Like I am excited about the new, the new album that's coming out because it's got some different stuff. Like very it's, different. it's really varied, uh, going back and listening to that was fun. Cause yeah. And for teachers out there who are thinking, how would I start this? All you need is to find the kids that want to do it. And what Bill said earlier, the number doesn't really matter because if you want to double up some parts and include some other people, you know, if you've got eight kids, but you find a six piece. Yeah, have them double a couple of things exactly. and just make it a little bigger. And it works. It works really yeah. well. There's no reason um, not to include anybody who wants to do it. And the other the other advantage is when when you have that time together, schedule time like so like we do at Messiah, there's a you know, there's trumpet studio time that happens every week and that's our rehearsal time. We're also doing things in addition to rep. I mean, that's that's time we, we get together and warm up, mm -hmm. right? We get together and do exercises together and talk about all those fundamental things that you might just not get to in another ensemble rehearsal. So, um, <laughs> you know. The, the very first week of, of Drummer Mundi ever, I, Brian would remember this, I believe it was the first day. There were just five of us at that point. Mm -hmm. and, by, and we didn't all know each other. It was, uh, it yeah, was like uh, everybody knew one of the others, and we all kind of made, all right, well, let's buy in. We're going to set aside this time. We're going to go do it. So by the end of the first day, we're in a large rehearsal space discussing mouthpiece pouches. Yes, Not mouthpieces, but like, yours holds four? Well, I've got this one that holds six. Mine's got Velcro. Well, mine's got a little, that's how geeky it got day one. Immediately. So, yeah, so uh, you're right. The community that it builds, I think, is, is a mm -hmm. good chamber music thing, is okay. absolutely invaluable. But see, that, that also happened to me because that's where I first learned about Shire's trumpets. And I, first of all, John, who was playing Shire's Model A at the time, wanted to try my picket mouthpiece. So yeah. I, tr I handed it to him and he really liked it. And then I tried a Shire's trumpet and both of us said the same thing. Man, I did not need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it yes. was on. The, yep. the let the spending spree begin. Absolutely. Yeah, so... Uh... I think similarly, Brian, what piccolo do you play now? I play oh. the Schertzer. <laughs> yeah. Because of my trip in the car with you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a great horn, right? You play that. It's a you great go, horn. Oh, this is what piccolo should, yeah, this is yeah. the way to go. Yeah. You know, there are lots of great instruments out there, but yeah, we've all, you Did know. not need to know that. Yeah. We've all been through and, all of this with each well, other. Well, we, we should not be used as role models for a variety of reasons. <laughs> Yet, um, I think the cool thing about this is, and we, we joke about it, but Look at the things that are possible when you establish and build a close knit group, right? All right. of the other, all of the offshoots, whether it's high school students or college students. I mean, here we are today at episode 19 of a podcast that was right born out of this idea that we got together and the three of us talked and thought, you know, people might be interested to know, like, this is really great trumpet talk. Like, yeah. wonder if anybody else will be interested. And now, you know, all four of our listeners are tuned in right now, you know, okay. checking it out. But Hanging ratings are word. through the roof. Through the roof, as I it will, were. I, I will say this. It's also a great way to establish a community of people that you trust musically. One of my students was in today mm -hmm. and uh, getting ready for uh, an upper divisional, a serious jury here, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Played through, and I thought I thought did a very good job. And I said, how's that? She said, I, don't, I just don't think that was very good. And I said, really? I thought that was, I thought it was pretty good. 
She goes, well, I played for my roommates yesterday. And uh, she lives with musicians. And I said, and what did they tell you? They thought it sounded really good yesterday. What did you think? Well, I didn't think so. I said, do you think they're lying to you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you mm -hmm. want to have those people that you trust because sometimes you're, you have a bias either for or against your own playing that's hard to get around. Right. right. Well, so we certainly friends, don't lie to each other about well, it, the quality of our right. playing. That's exactly <laughs> right. And in the most positive way, like uh, we've told people, I think if people sometimes saw our open rehearsals, they'd wonder how we, it's not some sort of steel cage match in the way that we're just brutally honest with each other. But we've established, uh, you know, a, a relationship there that calls for that. Like it it's, does. we're not, we're right. not going to have that. Hey, you know, what about it's, you know, that's not how that goes. Right. And it gets well, things done. It gets things done quicker because we know there's already a respect and appreciation built in. So we don't have to worry about those things. And we all we're operating all those rehearsals right uh, uh, under the same underlying question. Right. And you guys know what I'm going to say. When do we eat? When do we eat? Exactly. That's right. the question. And yeah. it really it, it has become about as much about that as about the music. Well, and um, no offense to Brian here, but it can be. It's as much about the hang as it is about the playing. Yeah, Brian, yeah. no offense. That's no not offense. A thing. But but it's true. We get in there and we do. We rehearse and we play and we rehearse and we play and we rehearse and we play. But it's as much about all the time surrounding that, it, that, that community building that you will see if you start your own trumpet ensemble at any level, if you get other people to buy in and you make that investment into the process, you will watch something happen that is absolutely magical. Yeah. Um, I, a cool aside here with, you know, student involvement and what kind of things can be inspired. So I, I have a student now who his honors project for his senior year at Messiah um, is to compose a piece for trumpet ensemble and all in four movement wow. piece. Wow. Nice. And we get together and work on it every week. He's got some really great skills, but it's an opportunity to get together and talk about where he's going and show me what he has and what he's working on and we have some mile, mile posts set along the way. And uh, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be really great. And a, a new original work, right? For nice. 10 trumpets. Now yeah. he might've been, I don't know that he would have tackled that for full concert band or for full orchestra, but this is really manageable to him in its home base, right? Right. So he's writing for B flat, E flat, pick, flugels and bass trumpet. Right. And this is Noah that I'm talking about, Joey, you've given him a lesson on bass yeah, trumpet yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but super excited about that, you know, that came out of this thing, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's the kind of buy-in you're looking for. Somebody mm -hmm. you make that kind of investment, and it just it goes and goes and goes. Right. And, and just you don't, can don't mm -hmm. be afraid to start. Just for anybody who's listening, who's nervous about starting, don't be afraid to start one. Go on Jim's site. Go on Triplo Triplo Press. Order a few things. It's not expensive. No, um, not at, at all. all. Um, check out the scores before you order it. Uh, there's a lot of. Um, there are a lot of recordings available, right? Um, some yeah. MIDI versions, so you can hear what what stuff is. Um, the titles are very descriptive, and he has descriptions there too that are very helpful. Order some stuff and just rehearse it and see what you think. Yeah. Okay. okay. Quick story that makes us sound really good. Uh, yeah. A student a couple of years ago, he was a junior in high school, came to Bloomington, wanted to grab a lesson, and very strong high school player. It's like, wow, this kid's really playing, really doing well. So we're getting done. Any other questions? He goes, hey, what do you know about trumpet ensembles? And I said. Fair amount, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, "Well, me and my friends were, were thinking about starting one, and so we've got this piece we're looking at. Um, you ever heard of this piece called Durnhorn Passage?" And I, I chuckled and I said, <laughs> "Have you heard a recording of it?" And he said, "Yeah." I said, "Yeah, that's me." And he just started like, "What?" 
And I said, yes, my group, we, we recorded that, and I know that the recording, uh, they use that recording on the, when the, uh, where they're selling it as, as, a, as a demo. It's, it's on there. And mm -hmm. he was like, oh, man, that's so cool. I was like, wow, hey, I just look good for playing a trumpet ensemble. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever thought that would happen. Yeah, no and look, one. it's a great way to make, as Joey likes to say, we're going to make dozens of dollars doing this huge dozens of dollars it's yes. definitely a money-making bonanza oh to start a trumpet how could, ensemble. It, how could it not be it's like it, well it's a lot like starting a trumpet podcast uh, you know as we discussed in the past well yeah we were prepared for this level of fame based on our trumpet ensemble experience no doubt about <laughs> it. what else what else yeah. could possibly happen right right you know offshore I mean, accounts the as, whole thing as we're you, as you are the david lee roth of, of trumpet ensemble you're welcome <laughs> yes. the david lee letterman there it is right <laughs> The David Roth. Lee Roth IRA <laughs> of, <laughs> of Trump <laughs> well, yeah, all those dollars. Well, you know, we we do kind of joke around about about the thing, but we do believe in what it does and, and what it's what it's capable of doing. I mean, for us, you know, look, just like the three of us hanging out and then coming out to do the thing, and look what has happened because of that. I mean, the thing and the videos you've done. I mean, that's you know that that. All, I mean, you can trace all of this stuff back to the hang that happened. Again, no offense, Brian, yeah. but the hanging out with Trombamundi and this trumpet ensemble experience and what that's been like. So all, all positives, you know, for me. Absolutely. Yeah, there, it, it has literally added something to my life that wasn't there, that I didn't know I needed until it was there. And now I'm not willing to give it up. Right. And no people should know it's it's a lot of work. The first meeting was 55 hours of rehearsal and performance oh. to do the disc in that yeah. first week. But we made that investment of saying, OK, when can we go? And we all got together the week between Christmas and New Year's because there's no mm -hmm. there, there was nothing else going. We all just gave up that time and, and invested some money and time and said, well, let's commit. Let's see what happens. And yeah, yeah it's a lot of work, but it, it, it's more than worth it i think the more group's gotten it. gotten better at recording too though i mean look at yeah. right across the last yes. few see you get better at that process you dial that in you know what needs to be done and brian and, uh, actually thought we even sounded good when we performed live in san antonio yeah, which, that was weird well, that's that was, was super weird brian for me. never brian never thinks we sound good <laughs> <laughs> Well, he thought that because he was featured on a couple things. That's why. <laughs> oh, that's it. He got to that's, play cornet. That's, that's really what it I was. I did. That helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good cornet now, week. Now, the, the, new, the new thing, too, was what a great time that was, right? We traveled to Nashville. We hung out there for a week at Lipscomb University with, uh, with Dr. Uh, Blasco. Ben, Dr. Ben Blasco. We love, we love Dr. Ben Blasco. Dr. Ben. And, uh, and, you know, what a great time that was to do all that and record that you know, that CD there. I'm, again, look at all the things, the benefits that came from us just kind of hanging out and doing that. Um, really good, really good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, listen, if you need help with Trumpet Ensemble or starting one, let us know. We're happy to help, right? Happy to help Absolutely. With, with rep and suggestions and, and all those things. And we sure enjoy our time. I know no one's happier than my family about the ongoing Trombamundi text thread. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Has found its way to Christmas morning. Oh, <laughs> or wow. Or Thanksgiving dinner, wow. right? Correct. I mean, it is nonstop. So good. Absolutely nonstop. Well, listen, I think it's time to talk about, uh, let's move on to no offense. Today's topic, tuning visually. This is where I'd like to go. Here's the deal. 
We tune with our ears. Using your eyes to determine if you're in tune is simply unacceptable. Those little plastic boxes of evil have a very specific use, but it isn't during rehearsal. Tune with your ears and not with your eyes. Figure it out. Help me, boys. What do you say? There, I don't. Th there's no question here. If you're tuning to make sure everything lines up, and your primary means of doing that is, I'm going to look at this and I'm going to move around until I get a green smiley face or I, uh, the lines light up and everything locks in. You're not really playing in tune. You're physically manipulating to make something happen. It's like playing a video game. So you've got to play where the, where the sound, where the middle of the sound is, and then look, and then see where is that. And if you're playing in an ensemble, all of that goes out the window because the ensemble itself may not be at A440 or 442, wherever it is. Right. So if you're in an ensemble, tuners are useless. The only thing you've got to be using when you're playing in an ensemble is your ears. That's it. End of story. And I have I have talked to people who are like, nope. And and when talking about your eyes, not just that. Well, my slide goes here. Oh yeah. And they know that. <laughs> well, my slide goes here. Well, it might have gone there in the past, but you're, in the words that we are so familiar with, dude, you're out of tune. <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, you're out of tune. Um, I yeah. use it as a reality check sometimes for my students who literally have no idea. Nobody's talked to them about the beats. Nobody's talked to them about what it means to play in tune. Um, and so nobody's talked to them that the fourth line D can be low. They don't use the third valve slide for, for, mm. for low Ds and C sharps. Um, and so it's a reality check just to say, look, we need to work on this. And then we move to drones. Um, and then of course, Jason Solomon has has upped the level with his app, Doctor Drone, which is a randomized drone which comes in and out at different <laughs> at different times. Of course, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's fascinating. But if you can if you can get somebody to play um, in tune with a drone, adjusting the the vertical intervals, um, and then take that away and have them play a musical line and then put the drone back in in the line then you're really developing some some strong ears for so intonation. I, I'm doing this cool thing with trumpet ensemble where, I, so divide the group in half, right? So half the studio I have playing Clark two, Brian, that's the second of the four. The second of the studies. four studies. Okay. Got it. Oh and um, whatever key. And then I use the other half of the ensemble to set up an open fifth drone, mm -hmm. right? Hmm. So the that half of the group, so let's say we're gonna do, um, we're gonna play in G, right? So I've got, either the G, the low D, the low G, I get all that established. So that group has to work on playing that in tune. The other group then plays the melody over it. We'll go, we'll cycle through it one time and then we switch, right? So then it just goes back and forth and they have an opportunity to move in and out of the drone and in and out of the melody and work on pitch that way. Of course, no yeah. tuners anywhere to be found. Right. I, I will say this, like the, the tuning thing is great. Like if you're mapping your instrument, Okay. And it's best to do that with someone else. So you're not looking at it, right. but if you're alone and you want to go chromatically up the horn to see where things naturally fall and how low is the D and how high is the G and all those things, at least close your eyes, play the note, and then open your eyes to see where the tuner is. Right. Right. Or have someone sit across from you and just keep track, have them watch the tuner while you just play down the middle of the tube. 
So that has a purpose, but not on the fly and in rehearsal. I mean, look, pitch, you know, I say pitch like fire is a living, breathing thing, right? And it's <laughs> as soon as the stage heats up, the lights come on, you're four bars in, it's not where it was, and it's not at 440. No. So we had a doctoral student here a couple of years ago who I came in and said, can I ask you a question? Um, you're like, what do they mean by resultant tones? I've heard this phrase, but I don't know what it means. I said, mm -hmm. pull your horn out. Yeah. I said, now, if we're really matching sound and pitch and we play some nice open intervals, you'll hear like a fundamental underneath that. And she says, come on. And I said, all right, <laughs> let's see. You know, let's, let's go. So mm -hmm. I want you to play, play me a C in the staff, and then I'll play the G on top of that. And then we heard the underneath right the buzz yeah, yeah. like it like buzz in the room and she stopped and just looked at me and went oh my gosh that's the coolest thing i've ever <laughs> experienced i'm like mm -hmm. yeah you I, i'm i'm sorry it took this long like this is something you i want you i want you to experience before that but it's not about were we both exactly at 440 it's were we in tune and matching each other that's right. how that works that's ensemble mm -hmm. playing and that's mm -hmm. the primary in tuning is are you playing with the other people in the room Right. Yeah. And this it's is an the, ear exercise, not an eye exercise. Yeah. Yes. This is the, all those of you who are in marching band at the time, right? You know, this is the, but I'm on my dot. Right. You know, <laughs> no, get in the form. No, no, no. I'm on, this is the equivalent of being on your dot and insisting, <laughs> you know, no, my tuner says this, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, run a metronome on your stand and see where that gets you. See how long that holds, right. you know, in a full, full orchestra rehearsal, whatever. Um, yeah, fun thing to talk about, of course, and to, to point out that there's just a better way to do it. And especially, I think, tying it in, if you've got the possibilities in chamber music to work on intonation, especially in trumpet ensemble, when you can set up drones and do unison back and forth things and all that, it's, it's just so, so valuable. Well, thanks for letting me get that one off my chest, boys. Hey, um, and Karen, uh, listening in, of course, from outside the studio, did the math. And so she texted me, right? right? And here it is. The score today, 3,100 points to 2,800 points. And the winner of the first Joey Jeopardy, Dr. Brian Appleby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I demand a recount. Yes. I, I have it right here. <laughs> yes. No one is more happy right now than Judith Hoffman in San Antonio. <laughs> that Texas. is true. That is she very is going to be very excited. Very happy right now. I but listen, you were good at these games, Joey. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> wow. Well, Brian, you swept Cone of Silence. No one saw that coming. Brian, I don't even know how that happened. And Joey, you did sweep. Actually, you didn't sweep Stratospheric because Brian forgot to say, who is Buddy Childers? Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, great game. I think that might be making a return. What do you guys think? I think Is that, that cool? Yeah. I think it should, I think it's should great. definitely make a return. Well, we'll work on that. And listen, we're excited because the next episode out is Landmark for us, episode 20. Landmark. Landmark. So be sure to tune in for that. And that about does it for episode 19. So thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned, subscribe, or whatever works for you. We appreciate your patronage, patience, and perseverance. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.